Uh, today we're going to do things, we're taking a little step back from Hebrews. Not really, uh, in light, it's actually in light of Hebrews that we're, we're going to kind of do what I call a little debrief for the last two months. And I want you to think about uh, the five core values of SWAT that we've kind of laid out that would coincide a lot with the values of the church. The Bible, prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and community. But I want us to think in context of um, how we're doing. Like when I was in the Marine Corps, anytime we did a mission, you would have a brief, then you would do the mission, and then you would debrief. And as you debrief, you kind of try to identify flaws. You identify those things that or weaknesses, so you can address them as you're in the battle. And if we don't stop and do that, what happens is you become very vulnerable to your weaknesses, allowing you to be defeated. And so I thought it would be good today in light of what we've been covering in Hebrews, because I'm going to tell you, it's been very encouraging to me to know that my king is interceding for me 24-7 because I've been blowing it. I've blown it this past week with my wife. I blew it, and I realized a, a, a big weakness that was pointed out that I've been trying to fight to hide uh, with her dealing with a particular issue, and um, it, it was ugly because Marines don't go down easy. We fight hard, and, uh, you know, as, as I was... Uh, as I was going through that, um, God just reminded me of this sacred calling I have, this, that I'm joined with him. And, that, and, and so even though I'm in a human body, his spirit is in me, and, and I, I, I need to be living in a manner worthy of the gospel. Because when people see me, they should see Jesus in me. And if they're not seeing that, and 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 I want to, we're going to get into the Philippians passage and the Ephesians Ephesians passage. But before we start, I want you to do a little um, like a inventory, just to like let's go through a, a mental checklist. You know, when I would go flying, uh, Phil, you were talking about Daniel. When Daniel goes to the boat, it's not just him landing on the boat that gets him through. They evaluate. They've got a checklist. They're going. How did he approach the boat? How did he set up? How did he land? How did he handle this or handle that? And they're actually checking off. And so as we go through and reflect in our own life, I want to think about us in the Bible. Okay? Thinking about, yeah, we may get the context of the exposition. We may have the knowledge up here in our head. But are we applying that knowledge on a daily basis? Are we doing like James says, to be doers, not just hearers? Because if we're not applying it, and I, and I, we can apply 80% of the Bible and have 20% that we know that we're not applying, and that's a weakness. And what we need to do is we need to address that weakness, and we need to ask God to make a change for us. And so for me, just to be candid with you this past week, the Bible says in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives. 
Husbands, love your wives. And a lot of times when we hear that, we tend to love our wives the way we want to be loved. But who determines how your wife is loved? You or your wife? It's them. And I was loving my wife the way I would have wanted to be loved as I was going through something and not the way she needed to be loved as she was going through something. And that was a real, uh, it, was a, it was a real eye-opener for me to think about, am I living out God's Word all the time? Of course I'm not. I'm blowing it. And so what do I do when I realize I'm blowing it? I come back to the cross I receive the forgiveness that he offers me, and I, I repent. I, I confess, like 1 John 1, 9 says. But So the Bible, how were you doing, guys, in the pandemic? You, only you can answer the question, Michael, for you. You know, as, as you think about going through the pandemic every day for the last two, week, two months, we've, we've had opportunities, and am I applying the Bible that I know in my head. Because I guarantee you, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, when you don't do it, the Holy Spirit says, hey, that ain't right, chief. You ain't got that right. That's wrong. And we know that. And I knew it. But we fight it. So the Bible. Second is prayer. How you doing in prayer as we going through the pandemic for the past two months? Not our wish list prayer. Not even our intercession prayer, but the communion with the Father prayer. The, the communion that says, what are my marching orders, God? What, are you, what is the brief for today? What do you want me to do today, God? Are we connecting with Him on a daily basis? Or when we have a problem, are we trying to address that problem on our own? Or are we going to Him and saying, God, I don't know what to do. I need your help. That, that's what prayer is. Prayer is, it, on our shirts, it says, staying close to the commander. commander. Yeah. If I don't know what the commander is wanting, how in the world am I going to be able to do it? And so prayer is really important. So ask yourself, how am I doing? How am I really doing? Uh, third, well, first of all, before we go into the evangelism, an integral part of the Bible and prayer, guys, is worship. Now, I know that as guys, most of the time, we don't like singing too much. You know, we, we just, we're, we're, we don't sing at SWAT. We're not singing songs. Sometimes I wish we would. Maybe we'll start singing some every now and then. I, there are things that make me want to sing. Do you know when I met my wife, Lori, uh, 40 or 30 Almost, it was 40 years ago. When I met my wife, Lori, 40 years ago, she made me want to sing. I wrote her songs. I was so, man, I was like head over heels in love with her, and I wanted to write her songs. I wanted to sing to her. Why did I want to sing to this woman? Because I was feeling things deep at a heart level that I wanted to express to her in song. There's something about song that shows the joyfulness of your heart. And when we don't want to sing, it reveals something about the inside of our heart. Because the Bible is clear 
that we are to be singing in Ephesians, it says. Don't get drunk with wine. It says, instead, let your heart be filled with what? Psalms and singing. And so as guys, we can't go, well, I'm a guy, I don't sing. No, that reveals something, and that's part of worship. And what happens is, I think we lose sight of the fact that when we realize of what we have in God, it should make our hearts sing. It should make us want to sing. Doesn't, listen, I know people that can't sing a lick. They, they're so off-key, but they want to sing. Why? Because they want to express some inner worship of God that only comes out through singing. Now, that being said, you also don't want to sing if you don't mean it. You, because Amos 5 says in Amos 5.21 that God hated and rejected Israel's worship. What they were doing, the sacrifices, the, the, the songs, the, that stuff, he rejected that outright. You know why? Because he knew they didn't mean it. They were just going through motions. In fact, in Isaiah 58, he, he pointed out how he knew, because you know how it's manifested a lot of times um, that we don't really mean what we say as it relates to God? Is Isaiah 58, he says, you say you love me, but you fail to love others. It says that in 1 John 2. How, how can you say you love other people when, you know, or say you love me when you're not showing that love demonstrated to other people? And so worship is an integral part of our Bible and prayer time. And it's the worship that says, I'm so grateful for what you've done, God. I'm so grateful that you have redeemed me, that I'm adopted into your family. But what happens in the, is the enemy comes into our ear and he says, you know what, Alan? If God really loved you, he would let this happen. Or if he really loved you, Anders, this wouldn't happen. That's what the enemy says. you got to be doing something wrong, Ken, because... Your life's full of struggles. And, and that is a lie from the pit. It is just a lie that if you are in relationship with God and His love is measured by your circumstances, it's not. If that was the case, then the disciples all lived a lie because they had terrible circumstances in their life. Look at Paul's life. And so our worship is not dependent on our circumstances. Our worship is dependent on our perspective. And we've got to remember that. Yes, guys, listen, if you go through a difficult time, I understand the fact that you don't want to sing because you're not feeling it. But you have to remind yourself of the circumstances being secondary or coming underneath the perspective and that's why Paul says in, um, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18, to rejoice always, to pray always, and to give thanks always. Why? Why do you rejoice if your life's falling down around you? Well, because you rejoice because this ain't it for us. That's why we rejoice. That's perspective. Why do you pray always? Well, because we see life falling down around us, and we know this is not our home, and we ask God to give us strength, and we know that we have access to God the Father. We're part of His family. Our sins are forgiven. We don't endure judgment. 
And because of that, we give thanks always, even in the midst of terrible times. That's perspective, okay? And so the Bible and prayer are both clothed in our worship of God, and, and, and we apply those things. And one of the things we do is evangelism. How are you doing in the pandemic? How many people in the last two months have you had an opportunity to talk about, not God, but Jesus? How many people have you had to share and ask, hey, do you know what Jesus has done with you or for you? He has given you an opportunity. Do you know about that? If we don't ask ourselves and reflect on us not doing that, we're never going to repent and say, God, help me do that. And so listen, don't let the enemy paralyze you with, with guilt because you failed. Instead, let it mobilize you to say, God, I want you to change me. <clears throat> I bet if you ask God for an opportunity to share, he'll give you one. I, I, I ask him. Lord, give me an opportunity. And you know what? Boom, opportunities come. They're out there. What he does is he opens your eyes to see the opportunities. They're there. <clears throat> They're all around us. And so ask yourself, in the Bible, in prayer, in evangelism, how am I doing? How am I, in this pandemic, am I living a manner of life that's worthy of the gospel? Because if I'm not, I've got to evaluate, identify what's happening and say, God, I don't want this to happen. I want you to help me. Discipleship. Am I speaking into the lives of other brothers? Second Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, take the things I've shared with you, find faithful men and share that with them so they can share with other people. Do you know what I do um, with guys? that I meet with or that I talk to on the phone when I say, hey, how's it going, Anders? How are you today? And Anders says, well, it's kind of a sucky day for me. And I say, well, Anders, you know what? I've struggled too, but you know what's helped me? And I try to share him with perspective that God's given me. And then he may even share something back with me. And we, we are like iron sharpening iron. And we, we, that's what discipleship is. It's life on life together. We all need Paul's in our life. We all need Barnabas's in our life. We all need Timothy's in our life. And guys, that's what discipleship is. It's, it's an older believer in the faith or a person more mature sharing with somebody who maybe not be there or somebody who's struggling. It's two believers together talking about their struggles or it's a believer who's younger looking for help from somebody more mature. And that's all discipleship is. And talking about why the gospel should help give us different perspective. That's discipleship. How are you doing with that? I notice a lot of people have turned off their video today. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, <laughs> I get that. That's okay with me. I get it. Um, the thing is, we don't like accountability, but guys, I learned in the Marine Corps, if you don't have accountability, you will not accomplish the mission, period. It ain't going to happen. And, and, and so as we, the last thing is community, loving one another, loving being with one another. You know, I want to tell you guys uh, something that um, 
I, I learned this past week that believers in India and in China, in spite of the virus, in spite of police threatening to haul them off, they still meet with one another privately in homes. They don't care. They just don't care. You know, I was talking to my dad the other day, and my dad said, he said, Doug, I asked him, I said, Dad, I said, have you seen anything like this? And he said, no. And I said, Dad, you lived during World War II. You were a kid. You were 12 years old. I said, what was it like then? And he said, it wasn't anything like this. He said, I've never seen us give up our freedom over a virus. We have, we have blanketly just said, we're going to give up our freedom if we don't get sick from a virus that's not near like the pandemics that have been in the past, that have wiped out thousands and thousands of people, even back during his parents' time during the Spanish flu. And, and we've just, and, and here's the thing. When I put on the Marine uniform, I say, you know what, I'm risking my life for this mission. And many Marines have died and many servicemen have died. Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast, they all have died. For people that they don't even know to have freedom for a flag that represents freedom. And our cause is bigger than the freedom people have on earth to be in an American society or another society that's free. Our cause is for eternal freedom. And, and listen, I know that um, India's different, China's different in a lot of ways. And some people say, well, that's not apples to apples. What I'm talking about is perspective, guys. That, that when, when Paul says in Philippians 1, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, what he's saying there, the word, the, the word there used for manner of life, it means to be a citizen of, a free citizen of. In other words, do we really view ourselves as citizens of the gospel of Christ more than citizens of the USA? I believe that we have allowed the United States of America to delude us, our culture, our comfort, our, our consumer attitude, all those things have basically fed into us being consumers in the church more than contributors to our society. So much so, you know what? Last night I went to Winn-Dixie to get juice and stuff for this morning. And they were, it was, it was, eight, it was 8.05 and it said store closed at 8 o'clock. And the manager came to the door and said, are you a first responder? Okay. And I said, uh, she said, are you, are you a, a, no, she said, are you a first responder? Are you a, a medical, a medical personnel? And I said, yes, I am. She said, where do you serve? I said, I'm a minister. I'm a spiritual EMT. And she goes, okay, come on in. And I got to go in with the doctors because I, I view myself just as important as a surgeon or as a, 
as a doctor who's healing somebody's physical body more so. And you are too. Don't diminish what God has called you to. Each one of you. It's not just the pastor who's opening up the book. You can open up the book. The Bible says that you are all a kingdom of priests. Let me read this verse in Philippians all in its, in its totality. It says, verse 27 of chapter 1, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or come and see you or am absent, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything. Did you get that? Not frightened in anything. He goes, verse 29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. You know why Paul throws that in at the end? Because what he's saying is, guys, I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing. This is part of the problem I have with what's going on with some of our government leaders. Listen, and I want to make this clear because there's been some question. I am not saying that we violate our government authorities when, if they tell us not to meet to protect each other. That's why we haven't met for two months. But you know what? We are allowed to meet now with restrictions, and so this morning we met. But for two months, we have been told not to meet um, as, as in, a, in a restaurant, so we haven't. But you know what I found out? Churches were never told not to meet. Right. They were told to social distance, but, but we were never told as the church not to meet in this state. Now, whether you agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. The truth is that that was what our government leaders said. If our government leaders tell us not to meet because there's a bomb in the building, because there's a threat in the building, or because they just don't want us to meet, and they're not telling us to meet because of Christ, but because of safety of others, I think we honor that. But if they tell you not to meet because of Jesus, then we meet. Plain and simple. Paul says, I'm telling you as one who has suffered, and he's writing from prison. So when we think about what God has called us to do in this great mission we have, it's greater than the mission I had in the Marine Corps. It's greater. The mission is far greater because it impacts people for eternity. And I really believe that we've kind of put that aside as a secondary thing going, you know what? Yeah, if we can, we'll do that. We don't view it as vital. Again, because we're consumers, not contributors. We don't really understand the place we have in the family of God. And guys, when we've been teaching in Hebrews that he has adopted us and he's brought us into his family and he's given us this mission, that, that he says, you're a part of my body. John Perry, you are part of the body of Jesus Christ. I mean, you're connected to him, Bill. Bill Lee, you are connected to Jesus. So when you go out into the world, 
people should see him. And, and not, that should not produce a guilt. That should produce an excitedness that we, because our sins have been forgiven, can go share a cure with other people who have a desperate need for that cure. Ephesians 4, Paul says the same thing that he said in Philippians. He says, I, as a prisoner, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So I think we have to step back and say, Are we living and walking in a manner worthy of the calling? Guys, last week with my wife, I was not. I was not. And I I confessed that to her. I confessed that to my king. I repented of that. And I said, Lord, help me to walk in this manner. And he says in Ephesians, with humility, which I wasn't doing, with gentleness, which I wasn't doing, with patience, which I wasn't doing, bearing with one another in love, which I wasn't doing, eager to maintain the unity, which I wasn't doing. All those things that I know in my head, I was not walking in my life. And I'm telling you as somebody who is trying to have God do in me what I'm saying We ought to want him to do in us. But there has to be a time of ownership where we own it, we repent, and then we go. And you know what? It doesn't mean because we own it and repent and say, God, help us, that it's going to be a quick quick fix pill that just we take. And okay, it's all better now. (laughs) There's still consequences. And we walk through those, but we walk through it with those characteristics. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And you know what? When I do that, I sleep at night peacefully. But let me tell you what happened with my wife and I. I don't think she would care. Um, so I get, I get into this argument with her because she's really struggled with emotional pain. And when women struggle, they cry. I don't like it when women cry, especially my wife, especially if I've been a contributor to it. And so I try to pull her out of that. I just say, get out of that. Come on. You got so much to be thankful for. Why are you you wallowing in the pain? And so we got in this heated fight. And she said, I'm done. And I said, I'm done. And it it was bad. And we go home. And when we get to the house, I go into my prayer closet. And I I go in there and I say, I'm just going to sleep in here tonight. I'm just going to sleep in here tonight. I'm not going to go get in the bed with Lori because I'm mad at her. She's mad at me and I'm not going to get in bed with her. So I'm in the prayer closet and I'm praying. First, I'm talking to myself. I don't know if you guys do that. I've never done that, but I did that this week. (laughs) I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to God. And then... One of my mentor's books, I have one of my mentor's books over there. It's a guy named Stephen Olford, and it's just nothing but Scripture. That's all it is. He hardly makes any commentary. I just grabbed it, and I started reading it. And it's just nothing but verses from the Bible. And I just start reading them, and the more I read, the more I'm convicted, the more I'm convicted, the more I just say, Lord, and my heart becomes soft. And I recognize I'm just a broken man. 
I'm busted and I need Jesus every day. Not just once for done, every day I need him. But you know what occurred to me because I've been teaching it is that he's interceding for me even as I'm there in my bed. I mean, my quiet time closet. And so he says, and I didn't hear a voice, but the spirit certainly prompted me. You need to go up to the room. You need to go up there and you need to tell your wife, you know what? We're just broken people. We will get through this. I'm really sorry. Tomorrow will be a new day. I'm sorry, and we can talk about it tomorrow. So I go up to my bedroom all ready to do this. And my wife, I, I go in, I, I brush my teeth, and when I come back, she's gone with her pillows. She says, if you're coming up, I'm going out. And I, and I get in the bed, and I just lay there for about 30 minutes. And I'm going, okay, God, I was ready. I mean, I'm ready. And he, I just sense he, him moving me to go to where she is. And I'm like, I know she ain't going to like that. But I heard, her, I heard her in the way I fought with her. Verbally, I just, I, 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 Marines don't fight fair. They don't fight nice. And so I, I said things that hurt her. And so I go down there to her, and she she doesn't even look up at me. And I said, Lori, I said everything that I said uh, I was going to say. I said, I'm broken and you're broken. I said, Satan has weaponized me against you and you against me. That's not what God wants. And I'm really sorry that I hurt you. And I want, I want to work through this, but I know we got to go to bed. So I just want you to know and I'm really sorry. And I got up and went to bed. She never came up all night. She was hurt. And that's okay. My, my, my actions are never judged by other people's actions. You see, we all blow it. And God's not holding me responsible for what she does. He holds me responsible for how I respond to what she does. And through the process, he began to heal. And the next day, we were able to talk and talk things through. And last night, when she was snuggling with me in bed, she said, I never would have believed tonight I would have been snuggling with you in bed. She said, it feels good. Of course it does. And we just recognize we're broken. But it took walking in humility, walking in gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity. He says in Ephesians 5, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, he says, Understand what the will of the Lord is. Guys, do you understand what God's will is for your life? Do you really understand? Do you wake up in the morning saying, God, show me how to serve you today? Because I think we have forgotten the sacredness of our calling and our being in his family. Because I think back to, do you know the two sons of Aaron who went into the temple to do or the tabernacle to do what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it with God. 
They wanted to offer God praise, incense, in the way they wanted. They offered an unauthorized fire, and you know what happened? They were killed instantly. Uzzah, 2 Samuel 6, touches the ark. The ark wasn't supposed to be on the uh, the cart. The ark was supposed to be carried. And what happened is this guy, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand. He touched the ark, killed instantly. David was so angry. Do you know why David was angry? He was angry at himself. He caused Uzzah's death. The ark should have never been on the cart. Do you ever do that? Do you ever get mad because you do something that causes somebody else's pain? Because you're not doing the will of God? And what happens with me sometimes is I end up getting mad at them even though I caused their pain. Why? Why didn't Uzzah just not touch the ark? He knew better than that. I'm the one that caused it, David. David says, I'm the one that caused it. Moses in Numbers 20. Nobody knew God like Moses. Moses was God's friend. He said he talked to him like a friend. Moses struck that rock and he says, Moses, you won't be going in the promised land. Why? Because there's a consequence for treating as common things that are sacred. And if you think that's just in the Old Testament, I believe the reason that Ananias and Sapphira is in the Bible is to show us that it's still applicable. They lied about money. Listen, it was their money. But they lied. They lied about how much they were giving to the church or to the the disciples to help with God's needs that God wanted to use people to meet. And he struck them both dead instantly. Do we treat our relationship with God and our partnership with Him as sacred or common? Do we treat it as sacred? Is it something that's so sacred to us that nothing can tear it apart from us? 1 Thessalonians 5, guys, I told you. Rejoice always, pray always, give thanks always. Ephesians 5 says we are part of His body. And He uses this analogy of of marriage in Ephesians 5, and he says, I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about you and Christ. I want you to stop for a second, Dave Wilbert, and think about this. Think about the sun. You can't get, if you were just a, if you, if you were a few feet closer to the sun than our planet was, you would fry. It's unapproachable light. And, and that's what the Bible calls God. We are part of His body joined to unapproachable light, so much so that angels hide his, their faces from Him. Do you know we don't have to because of Jesus? Because He's in us. And I, I think we forget that. We're part of His body. We're joined to Him. Ephesians 1 says in verse 4, Even as He chose us in Him, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, set apart, and blameless. In love, He predestined us to be adopted to Himself as sons. You're a son. We're a son. We're His. And we're His kingdom priest. We're little Christ according to the purpose of His will. For by grace you've been saved, He says in Ephesians 2. We've been saved by His grace. It's a gift. You can't work for a gift. You can't add to a gift. It's a gift. And He says we're created for His good works. We are His workmanship. 
He made you feel just the way you are. Just the way you are to be his workmanship. Every experience. Do you know that God sovereignly knew that I was going to lose my temper with my wife in the car yesterday or two days ago? He knew that. Eddie, he knew you were going to be at home with a fever of 102 degrees. He knew that. Every experience we go through, he knows. And he's going to use it for his glory. Ephesians 2.19 says, You are no longer strangers and aliens. You are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Everything that Peter, James, and John did, everything that Paul did was to bring you to this point today, Chris Regas. Everything. Everything he did was to bring us to the point where we are right now, Don, so we can walk out these works in our life. I mean, Paul says in Ephesians 3, even though I'm the least of the saints, this grace was given me to preach to those around me, Joe. He says, so I can go to those people that are struggling and I can preach to them the unsearchable riches of Jesus. In other words, they don't have to walk around in fear. They don't have to walk around with this despair. I'm going to tell you, the people that need to be dreading the coronavirus, the people that need to dread death are people that don't know Jesus. And it's sad. It should break our hearts. But for you and me, for everybody on this call that has a relationship, it doesn't get any better than we have it. That to know that, I mean, if we find ourselves unimpressed by what God has done and we think we need more, if our eyes are on the earthly instead of what he's given us, then we need to reevaluate our understanding of these things. First of all, that he loves us and he desires us in spite of us. I mean, I look back at my life and I'm like, holy cow, I can't even believe that he would love me. I can't. I mean, I've done some awful things in my life. And the fact that he loves me and wants me to be in his family, I mean, that's, that's overwhelming to me. Second, he endured pain and suffering for me. I mean, he, he took all the junk that I was supposed to get because of my consequences. It doesn't relieve me of earthly consequences, but the biggest consequence is eternal pain and suffering to be apart from him. And lastly... He gives us 24-7 access to God the Father. To where if my wife is never happy with me, ever, in the entire rest of my life, I have 24-7 access to the Father, and I'm going to be with Him forever. I'm going to be with Him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, these are light and momentary. And that's not a disappointed wife he's talking about. He's talking about beaten within an inch of his life five times. Five times. Beaten with rods. Spending a day and night floating in the ocean without food, hungry, naked. All that stuff, he says, this is light and momentary. And we complain about so many things because we're so entitled. We're entitled. And it's all our perspective. 
He says in Ephesians 5, and I've referenced this, I'm going to read it to you. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one. This is profound. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What he's saying is, we are one with him. There's nothing better than that. Nothing. Do we believe it? Do we live it? I'm going to tell you something, guys. He called me when I was five years old. I was singing, born to serve the Lord at five years old. And here I am, 53 years into it, still struggling to apply it. You know, we're all in this together, and that's why we need each other. Isolation kills, connection conquers. Don't be isolated, guys. Reach out to brothers at SWAT. Stay connected while we go through this. All right? Um, Lord, thank you for this time today. Thank you for each guy on this call. I uh, am so grateful for these brothers. I just see their faces and my eyes warm up, Lord, because... I love them. I miss them. I miss hugging them. I miss shaking their hands. And I know there are guys on this call that desperately want to be hugged and, and, and to be around these brothers. And I pray that that comes sooner rather than later. But until it does, Lord, thank you for technology that allows us to do this. Help us to live out, Lord, this life worthy of the calling you've placed on our life. You an amazing God. You're amazing. That you would care for us so much that your son would die for us. And then give us the privilege to tell others and to help them understand your word. Thank you for that incredible privilege and the privilege to suffer. Lord, help us to have the mindset Paul had the mindset Jesus had. Let us live a life worthy of the calling of the gospel. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.